Miller slot left. Washington outside left. Roethlisberger has time. Throws to the back of the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. 325 left. In the pocket. Intercepted at the 49-yard line. Taki Taki takes it into deep into Pittsburgh territory. And Ben Roethlisberger has just thrown another pick. Minus three with Dave Damashek. All right, here we go, everybody. I guess it's an emergency pod here. Welcome to Minus 3, presented as always by FanDuel. Make sure you're making all your bets through FanDuel and make sure you're doing it. FanDuel.com slash Minus 3. That's the number, or that's the word minus the number three, an emergency pod, because, of course, everyone is weighing in right now on Ben Roethlisberger, should the Steelers be bringing him back? Are they crazy? Have they doomed themselves to irrelevance in 2021? The one guy, there's so many people chiming in on this subject. And I got to tell you, and it's not because it's. I feel like he kind of lines up. I feel like he really does understand the nuance of the salary cap, the dead money that exists, the different ways that the Steelers could restructure Ben Roethlisberger's contract to make it as palatable as possible or to squeeze it under the cap and retain and go out and get more guys. If that's at all possible, it's our guy from the athletic. We've leaned on him considerably over the last few years with all things Steelers. And we shall do so again here. It's Mark Caboli of the athletic. What's the poop fella. Wow. That was like a 15 minute introduction. I mean, when I die, will you give my eulogy? I will. Yes. I'll, I'll be happy. Like, you know, right out of the gate, you know how I know that you're the boots on the ground on the banks of the three rivers, not someone waxing about one thirty second of pro football, but your focus is purely on the black and gold days. Cause you say that, uh, well, I give your eulogy. Oh, I love it. Eulogy. Do I really have a bad of an accent? You got a Pittsburgh accent. I'm not yeah. going to jive you. I like it though. Listen, everybody. I, 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 talk- I stay away from the inats and, uh, downtowns and stuff like that. Well, Dave, Roethlisberger, let's talk about Roethlisberger and let's start here. So the news is that Art 2 and Big Ben's agent had their sit down. They emerged from it and seemed to be in lockstep on this. I know that from a purely journalistic standpoint, we shouldn't all run with Ben Roethlisberger's back. But I find it hard to imagine at this point that Art 2 is going to emerge from the meeting and say that, and then three days or three weeks from now say, oh, yeah, never mind all that. Yeah, it didn't work out after all, right? Is that, is that are, are we safe? And as we proceed with this conversation and assuming that no matter who likes it and who doesn't, number seven is going to be wearing the Steelers' uh, helmet in 2021. Yeah, you know what? It's only taking a minute, but I'm going to do my first Cobra Kai reference of the day. Ooh. Art's not going to put his name on a uh, – statement and say send it to the internet like uh johnny lawrence did in cobra kai if he didn't know that the answer to the uh question already that it is pretty much a done deal it's just a matter of you know massaging the cap a little bit knowing what they want to do with that number and let's make it quite clear to everybody watching listening whatever you're doing at home wherever the $41.25 million cap hit 
the highest in the league, has nothing to do with him. That's not his fault. That's not the money he's getting. That's the Steelers pushing his money down the road, especially last year, in order to be able to sign some of these guys because they were in trouble last year as well. So that number is just phony. Don't even look at that number because it doesn't matter. The, the money you look at is the $19 million. That's what he would get paid this year. How do you manipulate that to work under the salary cap? It's quite easy. So I can see this be getting done right away. It's just a matter of, you know, the specifics that they need to push into the future. And they might not know that until right around, um, you know, new league year. So it still might be a week or two, but it's, Art's not putting his name on anything if it's not true. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. And what I, I it, it's hard for me to fathom the national shows and otherwise, and even some local outlets are still indulging this $41 million number. I mean, it's late February. Are, are, aren't we past this now? But as far as that goes, the $19 million, the one thing that does stand out to me is, is D Smith, is the players union and otherwise, are they going to say, like Roethlisberger says, I don't care about the money. How much of a factor from where you sit is that a thing that they're like, well, Ben, you can't go out there and play for zero dollars. You can't go take a, a five dollar bill. This uh, that's bad for the union. How much of a factor is the ability to push that 19 million dollars? I don't think it is at all. I think it's relatively easy. And there's precedent of doing that. Drew Brees did it last year. Tom Brady's done it before with voidable years. Now, the Steelers have never done this or nothing I can remember of avoidable years, but, you know, they've never been in this situation either. So um, it's quite simple. I mean, you're, he's still going to get paid his $19 bucks, in my opinion. I don't think he's taking a penny less than, than that. That's what he's owed to him. That was promised to him. He is a quarterback that went 12-3 and three last year in the regular season through 33 touchdowns, only 10 picks, close to 4,000 yards. So those are numbers that are worth more than $19 million. Those are, you know, $25, $27 million type of, of money. So there's a number of ways to get around that. Number one would be the pay cut. I don't anticipate that happening. But the voidable years is right out there as well, where you just take the all, all the money you can, which would be 18 of the 19, because you got to get paid a salary, which would be the million dollars, and put that into four voidable years up to 2025. With, you know, it says in the contract, come March 17th, 2022, this contract is null and void. So that brings all the money forward. They would then uh, save something like $14 million on the cap this year immediately. But that number would then go on the books next year. Ben gets paid his money. They get paid their, uh, they get their cap room they want. So that's the one where it looks like to me right now, however, they've never done that. They could still get around that by just adding a year on to his contract with the understanding that he's not going to play under that contract next year as well. A lot of different ways to do it. Very simple. It's just cross and T's, dot knives, whichever way you want to do it. But what it looks like is they're going to easily create $14 million worth of cap space and Ben's still going to get paid his $19 million. I mean, I'm terrible at math, but as much as I can figure it out, I did not start doing this, uh, this as a career to have to talk about math, but I do think that that's exactly right. That's the way I see it. And there are people much better at it than I am, but uh, uh, that's right. But before, okay. 
So that's for 2021 and beyond. If let's say you're right. And we'll try to figure out other options, who else they could squeeze in. If you're right about that. And we'll try to figure out some, some different things, different options for quarterback. Cause that's one thing, but let's look back at those last damning five uh, games or whatever it is for Roethlisberger in 2021. You and I have gone around uh, about this privately and I got to say, first of all, I had a hypothesis that I guess was proven wrong that I think around the Washington game at 11 and 0 that they, that Roethlisberger reached a place between the drops, the lack of protection, the lack of run game and otherwise, where he did the math that said, okay, we're in the playoffs. We're getting in. We're going to keep winning games. We can survive playing a certain kind of ball here. And in the meantime, I'm getting rid of the ball no matter what. I'm not taking any shots between now and January, or I'm going to limit them as much as I possibly can. And that's why he looked the way he did. And my evidence is in the second half against Buffalo, in the second half against Cincinnati, the second half against Indianapolis – when he wanted to win a game, when it was sort of like, wow, we're in a bad spot here, even against the bum Bengals, we need a rally. And he looked better in all those second halves. He started really starting to throw the ball. So the idea, the myth that he's lost it, he doesn't have his arm strength anymore. I know Greg Cosell and other people who are informed human beings watching tape say that it would appear that the coaching staff reached a place where they decided Roethlisberger can't push it downfield anymore, and they designed the offense around that. The thing that spooked me was the combo of Week 17 in Cleveland that Mason Rudolph was dropping dimes way downfield when Roethlisberger struggled for the most part, and then that first quarter against Cleveland when we can make lots of excuses about Marquise Pouncey getting him off on the wrong foot and otherwise – he threw some dreadful balls in that for in that first quarter that put the game out of reach before the second quarter had even arrived. What happened as far as you know? Because the big a big reason why gotta move on, gotta move on. To whom we'll get to in a second. But in the meantime, do you believe? Because I always say it, when a pro football player reaches the end, it's not a gentle decline, it's off a cliff and it's harsh. Did he fall off a cliff? at some point and that's the Roethlisberger we're getting in 2021 or is there any reason to be more optimistic about what he could be next year I wish I could sit here and tell you that I saw him fall off the cliff no I didn't I saw the arm strength there you just don't acquire lose arm strength then it comes back okay he looked terrible against Cincinnati partly Washington maybe Baltimore but you're not throwing those balls that you threw in the second half of the Colts game if your arm's shot you're not throwing those balls in the second half of the Browns game if your arm is shot. So I don't believe that's the case. Now, if you tell me the deep ball is not there, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, that could be a number of different things. That could be mechanics. That could be just the elbow needing more time. I, I mean, the elbow, I'm going to put my doctor's hat on here for a second there, Bubby. <laughs> the issue with the elbow and the surgery he had is because he's you'll be able to tell if he spins the ball how how many many times he spins the ball there's something in a ball that they can tell what the spin rate is right Mm -hmm. spin rate is spiral spiral makes the ball accurate they said he was right where he was supposed to be however that elbow is getting fatigued late in the year that spiral is not as tight 
the ball down the field floats more than it should be. And how many times did you see a ball just float out of the off the sideline? What is going on with this guy? I mean, this, what kind mm-hmm. of throw was that? So it might be something where it, it takes a year for that elbow to get back to that deep ball. But if you're telling me he's falling off the cliff, I don't believe it. I think there's a lot of issues to it. And I think part of the issue is the wide receivers. Yeah, they're good. Claypool's good. Deontay was good. Juju was good. But you know what? Claypool, he had about four weeks worth of, what, four weeks worth of training camp, which training camp was at Hinesville for about an hour a day, throwing around. Deontay Johnson was a rookie the year prior who did all his work with the backup. Then all of a sudden, Ben gets hurt. No time with him at all. Those guys weren't on the same page constantly. They were at time from here to here to there. So that's why you saw some bad balls, I think, as well. I don't think he's totally fallen off. He can't be a 70 throw per game guy. Put me on my bike. He would do that once or twice, three times, four times, whatever. He can't be a or Aaron Rodgers type guy. He needs help. So that's the way I look at it. I am one of the few in Pittsburgh to believe that, Chick. Um, I would say about 75% of the people in Pittsburgh are not happy that he's back, thinking he's garbage, think they're going to go 4-12 and 12 and miss out on the next Dan Marino because they decide to bring him back. And uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Trust me, I've watched. I tried to see the fall off. I don't think it's there. I think if you get an offensive line that protects him, I will say this about him. I did notice he was a little gunshot. And to your point, Definitely. I think, getting, I think he was getting whacked a little bit too hard. And he's like, forget this garbage. This ball is coming out quick. And Randy Fickner said, you know, we have no other choice. We have to run this garbage offense because if not, he's going to get, he's going to get murdered. So a lot of that come into play. I, I would love to hear, you know, an expert quarterback coach, whatever point to me and say, yeah, this, you could tell right here, he's done. His arms shot, his knees shot. He can't drive into the ball making bad decisions, I don't see it. But, you know, I say that and I'm a homer or whatever, but whatever, I don't see it. I don't well, see it and I, I think he can be good. I, I got to say, in Caboli's defense here, that he went pretty hard at Art 2 and the Rooney <laughs> family with his latest or one of his pieces this week in The Athletic. Make sure you're checking that one out. It's always great stuff with him, let alone Bouchette and everybody else over there. But, um you real? I mean, you took him to task, so you'd be hard pressed to call you. A, it'd be hard pressed to call you a homer at this point, unless you're a Ben Roethlisberger homer, not a Steelers yeah. homer at this point. It's yeah, hard to keep up with it all. Now, you know, I, I, uh, I just try to say right what I feel. I'm not going to really tell one way or another just for your hot takes or whatever. I truly feel this guy is. You know, playing this way, I'll tell you he's going to play this way. And if I say the owner should have probably, you know, gave the franchise Hall of Fame quarterback a little bit more respect beforehand, and at least let him know when you knew darn well that they knew, and they're trying to tell us free agency here, let's see what happens on the open market, let's see what the cap number is. This is a billion-dollar team, enterprise, worth of billions of dollars. They know what happens if the cap is 181.1 to 181.234 all the way up. They know what they have to do. They know how much Cam Sutton is going to get paid on the outside market. They know who they can keep. They know who they can't keep. And you're telling me they didn't know if they wanted, if they could afford Ben. They could easily afford him. It's just a matter of 
pulling the trigger. And I thought it was really bad look for them to wait so long. I think today, well, well as far pretty as that much goes, made up for it, right? Made up for I, it, though. Here's what I do think, yes. But I will say, I do get the sense, I don't know if it's Colbert or Tomlin or Canada or ownership or whatever, but the message is fairly clear. They kind of hoped that he would retire. There was clearly some sentiment that they were hoping that he would walk away. Now, I don't know if I buy the 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 um, the thrust of that was, well, at least we won't be the bad guy if he walks away. But I, that is murky to me, what was going on there. And it leads me to believe, I, I do you suppose Colbert was kind of doing the math on how soon could we reasonably – make a deal for all these people out there. Go get Trey Lance, go get Sam Darnold. The the nonsense of like, for me, where it starts is for everybody who's saying the Steelers are willfully just going to bring in Roethlisberger, who they know isn't the future and who they know they're not going to win the Super Bowl with. Even those assumptions, even the pessimistic, the more pessimistic options about where they're headed. What is the answer? If you cut Ben Roethlisberger, who are you throwing in there? First of all, Mason Rudolph, you're going to devote an entire pro football season where guys are getting paid millions of dollars to see if Mason, you need 16, 17 games to see if Mason Rudolph at this point in his career can get it done. I mean, you know, I think the kid's fine. I know the Steelers like him, but it's a crazy reach to say, first of all, that that's what they should do. I don't think, or correct me if I'm wrong sincerely, I don't say this rhetorically. Do you think Cam Hayward T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and otherwise are like, yeah, let's turn the page. If it's good for the organization, we'll burn 2021 for brighter days beyond. I find that very hard to believe, one. And two, the other part of it is with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. In 2019, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. The defense is the same. What, what is this? idea about like do you think that they're the 20 what 2017 browns who can go one in 15 the the low the 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 floor for the 2021 steelers is constituted it's like eight and eight i mean right am i am i missing something here and let's say that did happen and they went two and 14 who is it that everybody's in love with it I, i am big on the college pipeline as it happens 2022 is not that rich compared to this year with the QBs that are coming out and last year's and the year before that and the year before that. And people can say, well, you don't know. Joe Burrow and Mac Jones weren't big names until their senior years. Okay, still give it a look and get back to me besides Spencer Rattler and one or two other guys. There is no Trevor Lawrence right now in the 2022 draft. So this idea, let's just blow it, and then maybe they'll get a high pick, and then maybe the QB who they really want, who's the savior for the next 15 years, is there. That seems like a lot of leverage against what you have in the here and now. How say you about the last five minutes of monologue I just did? <laughs> you would think people would learn by, by, by the Mika Fitzpatrick trade two years ago. You remember that? Why in the world would you give up a first-round pick when that first-round pick is going to be Tua? because you're going to go two and 14 because Ben's out. We saw how that played out. I mean, if you could guarantee me, I'm getting the Sean Watson, Andrew Lush, whatever. Right, right. fine. But I did some scouting the other day, and I looked at the last 10 years of the draft in the first round. You got about an 8.5% chance 
over the past 10 years of getting a star quarterback in the first round. And the majority of those go from like one to seven, maybe to 10. I can name Jake Locker. I can go on and on and on. Uh, I mean, Tannehill was garbage up until, you know, two years ago. I mean, you're not going to guarantee yourself a star quarterback just because you go 5-11. and 11. So why would you then mortgage this year when you have a good defense, you got a couple good receivers, you got a decent draft pick where you can now add to the running back game or potentially have Najee Harris, potentially have Travis Etienne, and you already have a 12-win team. Okay, maybe they're not a 12-win team. Maybe they're a 10-win team, but maybe they're a 10-win team that's better than last year's 12-win team. So I don't think you give up opportunities to win. I know people will argue that is there really an opportunity because Roethlisberger stinks, they're losing Bud Dupree, defense is awful in the Cleveland game and so forth, but I don't think you can approach it that way. You mentioned it. Man, how do you look at Cam Hayward and say, yeah, you're 32? Forget this year. But it's good for the franchise, Cam. Don't worry. It's it's good for the franchise. Not only him, it's all of the guys. Do you think a guy like Chase Claypool will be like, oh, whatever. We'll just tank this year, whatever. Oh, you just try to win, especially in this league. How many worst of first have you seen? I mean, it's every year a worst of first just kind of happens. So anything can happen in this league. So I don't think you give it up. I think, Two. You, I think what they do is, is right. They're giving it one last chance. If it doesn't work this year, I'll be the first one to tell you, get rid of everybody next year. Everybody. My argument, but my argument, lot, but everybody. But my argument is, is that in 2021, what difference is Roethlisberger in the huddle or in street clothes? It makes no difference to what the 2021 Steelers are going to field. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The hit is as it is. I mean, they're taking the the $22 million against the cap, period, whether Roethlisberger plays or not. It doesn't allow them. There is no wiggle room. The idea of if you let Roethlisberger go, you bring Juju back. First of all, I don't know that Juju wants to spend a year playing with blank with, I don't know, Dwayne Haskins, uh, 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 Mason Rudolph, or whoever else they they try to get. Let's say they did got get Roethlisberger. Okay, he he's released now. Well, these people out there, these national former GM guys who are like, they should release him and go get Trey Lance. I Maybe there's something to that for Colbert. Is maybe Colbert was like, how quickly can I get a deal more or less in place with blank team up at the top of the draft and what assets it would require? And I can't figure out if I can get that draft pick or I want to get Sam Darnold from the Jets, but I can't get that lined up in time before I have to pay Roethlisberger on the drop-dead date of uh, the new league year. Maybe that explains the dodgy kind of, I don't know, I want to see what else is out there. I want to even could see if he could do some other stuff before they commit to the dollar value in 2021. I was just, I'm just trying to make sense of that. But Juju isn't coming back unless he does sort of an Ike Taylor move. Somebody once said to me, Ike is super smart, and here's how you know why. Because he understood that he could go get a big dollar deal as a free agent and be a number one uh, corner for some team and and get a whole lot of shine. But the Steelers system suited his talents. So he decided to take 
the the make the long term play, take a little bit less, but stay in a stable situation. I think you could kind of make that case. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole with Juju, but kind of Juju is not the panacea in any situation. Like, oh, you know what we did? The Texans, let's go get Juju. Jets, go get Juju suits what the Steelers do with the guys around him. I could see him maybe doing that math on that, but it's unlikely. I don't think Dupree's back. I don't think anybody who anybody is looking at, like, if you get rid of Roethlisberger, but then we can bring back these guys. Is there anybody that I'm missing here that is not manageable under the cap for this coming year if Roethlisberger is or isn't on the roster? The only one I can think of would be one of the top-level center-free agents out there, and there's about four or five of them out there. Lindsay from Green Bay is the top of the market. We're looking 10, 11, 12 million bucks a year for him. So that's the only thing I can think of. You might have to go with J.C. Hassenauer at center now instead of being able to reach that. But if you have a all-pro center, does it matter if Mason Rudolph's your quarterback? So I don't think Roethlisberger playing this year and it doesn't, like we said, it doesn't even matter now because that money's going to be pushed to next year anyway. So they're going to have the majority of it to spend on who they want anyway. So that's the point. Year, People keep talking like it's $41 million or zero, that the cap hits either 41 or it's zero. And, and there's nothing in between. Million. Or even if you buy the 22 million, the 19 million, right. It's the 19 million that's well, the issue. And I don't. This. You can say 14 million bucks if you get rid of him or, or if you do what we. You could save nineteen million dollars, right? If you just cut him right now, who would right. you keep? Who would you sign, free agent wise, on the team worth that money? So oh. is Ben Roethlisberger worth a Matt Filer, a Jordan Berry, and a Mike Hilton? Is that going to win you more games next year? Well, I I think that what I the most you important piece is not going to win you. No, I, I hear you. I think that the guy who kind of stands for me as the most important guy in a weird way is Cam Sutton based on need. Just the versatility, first of all, that he provides. I think he slots in fine if he takes over for Mike Hilton. Now, if you start getting into Nelson and Hayden and those guys are going to go, um, in a way, I and that feels like the most reasonable guy to keep as it happens. So Cam so Sutton – him though you can keep him i mean if he's a tw- seven seven and a half million dollar a year guy you you know three for 22 three for 23 backload that money don't have to pay a lot right now you can do that you can i know they're tight against the camp right now so imagine if they do have the roethlisberger money in their pocket right now i'm talking about keeping him the 14 million they're about right at the cap maybe a million uh under the cap but they can create money other ways. I mean, they can extend Steven Nelson. They can still restructure to it. There's options out there. I mean, I don't know if you want to, but you can get rid of Joe Hayden, save $8 million bucks, and replace him with Cam Sutton. I mean, that's a tough – I think that's a tough sell right there, but that's a potential. Vince Williams, there's a guy that makes $4 million bucks. you could save. So there's different ways of getting around it. I mean, you can extend Eric Ebron. He's an $8 million guy this year you can push that down the road a little bit when the cap is going to be 240 in three years from now and they got five players under contract then so there's always that option so i don't think no of course they're not going to be huge spenders in free agency they're going to lose a lot of these guys of their own but oh those 19 free agents of their own how many do you really want 
I well, I how much did you really want? <laughs> I listen. They did go. I can kind of play it both ways in the sense that, um, that uh, again, the the 2019 season is fascinating. It, that they go eight and eight with with Duck Hodges and and Mason Rudolph. Um, and so I always lean on that. And then that leads me to this question, the sort of the, the undercovered aspect of, and I don't think that the defense is, is lousy because, because uh, the game tracked the way it did in January with, uh, with the Browns. However, I will say that which defense, the thing people have forgotten, people have gotten collective amnesia about, and I'm talking about before the season even kicked off in September what the premise of the 2020 Steelers was. You had a guy coming back with a bad elbow and he wasn't going to drop as far as maybe Peyton Manning did in 2015 to lean on the defense, but you had a guy stable in uh, under center there. Um, and I can kind of buy the Najee Harris comparison to Terrell Davis doing kind of what he did for Elway in the twilight of his career more recently, what Sony Michelle did for the Patriots. I always point at that one. People forget they use that first round pick on Sony Michelle and people say, oh, you can't use a first on a running back anymore. Wake up. No, you can't give a second big time contract to a running back. That's what's been proven. A first look at Leonard Fournette. Now, things didn't go the way he would have planned, but that was a high first on that guy. Zeke Elliott. No one was complaining about him on his first deal. The problem has become him on that second deal. Ergo, I think you can have a guy like Roethlisberger under center with a great defense and a run game behind him and win a lot of games. The question is, though, that nobody really talked a lot about. In 2020, that defense that was supposed to be shut down, and I know is third in all the important statistical areas uh, overall in the NFL, it didn't get big stops. And that, as much as whatever the offense wasn't doing, is the reason that the Steelers sort of slid back there over the last uh, third of the season, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's one thing. But all right, let's 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 move on with this, unless you have any important thoughts on that one. Well, I'll just tell you one thought is you talked about that 19 season when the Steelers were 8-8 eight eight with Duck and Mason. Actually, they were 8-5 and five before they blew it down the stretch. So yeah, right. that makes it even more even, even, uh, that makes it even more interesting right there. So oh, I will, I, I will, I, I think you and I disagree on this. I don't want to hang it all on poor Randy Feekner, but I do think that there was an obstinance in, in altering the offense and it's hard to do in the course of a season, but the lack of adjustments to run the same, the Steelers got pigeonholed with what they wanted to do. And that's kind of the thing I would love to get the answer from Roethlisberger on down from is what happened in the last five games that changed so dramatically that you couldn't do anything against anybody. They, uh, well, they were lucky to even be where they were at 11. Okay. They were 11 and oh, they couldn't do anything against anybody until the fourth quarter, until the third uh, quarter of that Colts game, all of a sudden, then it was like, okay, you know what? Now they're dangerous. And now they're going to be scary come January. If they can, if, if uh, they can keep this going a little bit. Um, here's the thing though, for 2021 or, or and going forward, even. I am not a sunny-eyed optimist, although all the hot takers out there have forced me to try and become one now. I kind of can make a case that the Steelers' quarterback room is kind of interesting if you're optimistic. Steeler, uh, Roethlisberger, one last ride. Number seven, the Hall of Famer, seeing what he's got for one last go with a high-end defense and now presumably a run game behind him. And look out, this, could be, this is going to be intriguing. 
in the meantime, it's more likely than not in pessimistically that Dwayne Haskins is on the team in September. But if he is, I'm a, I, I love the Al Davis in the 70s approach of like kick the tires on all high pedigree guys in bad situations. It didn't work out for them. That doesn't mean you have to throw them under the trash heap. Same goes with Bill Belichick and the Patriots in the 21st century. This is a high pedigree guy who was in a really everybody understands Dan Snyder's not a not a great situation to land in. Washington's a mess. Alex Smith and the whole comeback and what's going on there and everything. Maybe Dwayne Haskins uh, is good. Maybe he maybe he'll be fine. We have a full year of him in that organization. If in 2022 they like him sufficiently, I forget Mason Rudolph. I am assuming is going to be gone. But you really like him that much, Kevin Colbert and company. You can keep him because you're not going to get enough snaps for the guy that there's going to be a huge market for Mason Rudolph in 2022. And you can roll that way if you want to. Or if they because the thing, again, that is not going to happen is three and 13. That's just not going to that that's not going to happen in they are not equivalent to to the the Jags who can throw games and manipulate things. The Steelers aren't structured in such a manner for this coming season that you can like get it to a place where like, yeah, well, it's a shame that uh, that the um, Deontay Johnson is uh, is absent this week. I mean, like they're they're going to go eight and eight. They're just going to be you know seven and nine is I think the low that they can go here. And I think we're also making a little bit too much about. How mighty the with with the with the front seven that the Ravens are about to go through the changes on that defense as mighty as it's been the idea that that's definitely a lock for double digit wins the Ravens that the Browns and Baker Mayfield aren't going to by midseason be thinking like oh maybe we shouldn't have extended Bake which I think they're going to do at some point before twenty twenty one gets here um, I don't hate that is any of this concern with uh, and I get that it it does seem Roethlisberger does not love the newfangled um, offensive philosophies that you see in the league. I don't get that. I, I don't see him as a guy who wants to run a lot of under center play action, which I, well, I guess that's not really 21st century newfangled, mm-hmm. but a return to that. But then combined with, with, with all the jet sweep action and everything else is there. Do you think Matt Canada said, can we get rid of Roethlisberger? Do I have to roll with this guy? Do I have to do it with this guy? Because I'd be better off if I could install what I want to do, and I can't fully do that with 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 this guy who doesn't move off his spot. Ah, well, that's a good, interesting topic. I don't know if Matt Canada would be comfortable to say that right now. You know, hey, get rid of the franchise quarterback. I'm sure uh, he has some designs ready for a 39-year-old non-mobile quarterback. It's not like Nathan Peterman in 2016 was mobile for the Pitt Panthers and they did pretty well right there as well. Um, so that's, that's interesting that you look at the quarterback room that way. I'm not uh, holding my breath on Dwayne Haskins. No, me either. But I'm just saying that if you, if you, if you want to try to make a case like, how are they, they got to get his replacement. Well, I don't know. Maybe they have one. It's a guy who was a first round draft pick two years ago. Is that, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I think the key for him, Haskins, is they need a full preseason. They need a full offseason. They need training right. camp. Right, well, they're going to get it now. Right, now they if they want him, if they're intrigued enough by his behavior and otherwise uh, this summer. I'm then talking they about a non-COVID related truncated offseason. I'm talking about, you know, 12 OTAs and seven mini camps and 
you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, whatever the heck it is, training camp, preseason games. That's what he needs to, that's what he needs as for Haskins. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a big fan of a guy like Dwayne Haskins because I just don't, I don't know. There's a reason why he was released, what, late December? I and know, but it's also different. He didn't anybody and for a month or two, and he signed for a league minimum futures deal. A former first-round pick, not once, but two years ago. I just All right, I hear you. All right, I'm not going to get crazy. I'm not going to try to make a case because I don't believe it either, but I'm just saying that if you're (laughs) looking for who's out – so let's finish with this. I like Darnold. That's your theory, right? Listen. I I like Darnold this year, maybe not next year. Joe Douglas, this this thing about Joe Douglas is, is like once a first. Well, I want a lot of things too. He's not going to get one. So, okay, so now we're talking about can you get him for a second-round pick in 2022? That would be worth it to me, Who, I think. Darnold equivalent next year? Is there a Darnold equivalent first-rounder, maybe not picking up that fifth-year option? I can't remember. I, I have. I, I. I'm embarrassed to say. I, don't, I. I keep going with Spencer Rattler, but there are like two, three QBs that are apparently going to be. You know, but I mean, if you watch Spencer Rattler, are you sure that that guy's definitely the savior? I'm not in this notion. Oh, that I'm this, just saying, if somebody drafts Spencer Rattler, like I don't know, a top five pick that already had a top quarterback, uh, Josh. Uh, Josh Allen's not going anywhere. A guy where. I don't know. A Mitch Trubisky. Here's another bad example. A former first round pick where like, well, we better move on from him. A Josh Rosen type, maybe better than Josh Rosen. Say if all of a sudden Kyler Murray. Um, I got you. I got you. I got you. Who's coming up? It's bake. It's that, it's that class. It's bake. It's well. Oh, so who is coming up on there? I got you. Uh, That would be. Um, no, that's the one before, but I mean, yeah, again, like this thing of, of positioning yourself, you know, the, the, are the Eagles now, and by the way, I will say, look across the state Steelers fans, desperate to get rid of Carson Wentz. That was a terrible deal. And I say it all the time. Second contracts for guys, just because you use the first round pick on that doesn't magically turn them into the franchise QB just because you've invested time, resources and otherwise into making that guy that then you made the Carson Wentz deal and it was a bad one. And then you had to purge Carson Wentz. But now look at yourselves. You're going to roll with Jalen Hurts in 2021. Is that that's that? I mean, that that's uninspiring. And in fact, I think they're going to end up having to take a quarterback to try and fix that, because I don't think you can reasonably do that maybe they can, but this Mason Rudolph thing is not the solution. But let's go through those answers uh, with with the with the P. Is Deshaun Watson a realistic target? I, I because for anyone, by the way, you know what the Texans are going to do? They're going to cut their nose to spite their face on that one. They're not going to trade him before the draft. They're going to hold on to him all the way until uh, until training camp, and then everyone's going to be situated there, and it's going to be like, "Hey, anybody want Deshaun Watson?" And they're going to be they're going to be overcommitted to letting him hold out. It's going to be a bad look again for them PR wise. Deshaun Watson, go trade for him. You can't go trade for him. The earliest I think you'll be able to get him 
is August. That's one. Matthew Stafford, now gone. I thought that was a reasonable possibility that they could go get him. The Steelers cannot trade up to get Justin Fields or whoever you want them to get, Trey Lance or otherwise, because if you trade for that, you're giving up the 24th overall pick. And if you trade, and by the way, that would not be sufficient to get the Deshaun Watson, whatever assets you give away. The 24th pick is where you're drafting in the first round. If you're the Texans or the Jets or anybody or the Dolphins willing to do that, you need to have a high first in return so you can replace the quarterback you're trading away. If Tua is given away, the Dolphins could do that because they have the third overall pick. And so they could replace him immediately. And from a PR standpoint and a competitive standpoint, you can sell that to the city and to the team. Hey, well, we got Justin Fields and we've reset the clock in terms of contract and otherwise. So we're okay with this high pedigree kid. The Texans are not going to be interested in the Steelers 24th pick, no matter what comes Mm -hmm. along with it. That's not sufficient. Now, if they trade to get Justin Fields, if this is the fantasy that people have, or Mac Jones or otherwise, they have to give up their first-round pick to get him. So then that guy is playing behind a bum offensive line. What's the strategy now? We're going to roll with Mason Rudolph, let him take the beating for the year, and then turn it up? Nonsense. What kind of what, what kind of strategy is this? Where are your heads think. on this? To ensure Roethlisberger coming back now, they have no choice but to try to help this year's team in that first round. I mean, or, or why bring him right. back? Right. Yeah. There's no. There's no trading the first round pick to, like you said, up to number five. No, no, no. I'm I'm it. creating the environment. Yes. I'm creating the alternate Nothing. reality that people seem to crave so badly, which is that Roethlisberger retires or gets cut today. And if he did, what is the solution? Trading up in the first round sounds yeah. great. It doesn't happen. I mean, who who do you know that is definitely willing to trade? down in the draft with the Steelers so that they can go get the guy they want. I hear from you, and, I, and I'm not against philosophically the loyalty to, it's not that he's your Hall of Fame QB. It's not that he's, um, you know, won you a lot of games over the last, uh, you know, more than a decade and a half at this point and otherwise. It, it, but it does, I think, people are kind of sleeping on, and that's where Levy and Bell kind of screwed up is. The Steelers, first of all, financially they tend to pay out their contracts and so this is a chance for them to continue that and the idea that that you know like we're always in the mix we're always trying to be competitive i think it matt i think some players really really care about that and some guys just want to get paid um but i think philosophically that's an important message to send out to any would-be free agents or otherwise that this organization is able to stay competitive and for all the Hey, three playoff wins in a decade. That stinks and it's bad. And I can try to make excuses about the double whammy of the tragedy of Ryan Shazier and you know that 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 really fell that team and then before that Levy and Bell the year before he didn't like the the diagnosis of the doctors against Kansas city and the frigid temps and who knows what happened there. And then he holds out and that kind of scuttled some things the way that went down. That New England and, game, right? You know, something you, in that, you, I don't you, know. You, you know, something in that New England AFC championship game that I don't know. <laughs> well, I know that way. He had a bad groin. He couldn't go, man. That's it. That's all I've heard. 
Anyway, what I but no, so that was had nothing to do with Rob Ryan Chazier, and I, everybody's going to have injuries. That was a catastrophic one, obviously for the man, but you know, in 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 less important football terms, was catastrophic to to that defense and and, and to the trajectory of where that team might have come down otherwise. Um, but you know, listen, that's getting in the weeds there, and and that's making excuses and. Um, the four-year jump from the Jacksonville embarrassment in Heinz Field to the Cleveland embarrassment, you know, I, can you hang those on the on the Hall of Fame quarterback? To some degree, he gets paid way more than everybody else on the team, so it's fair to to hang that on on the QB. Um, my pushback on that is though, just a little bit to try and give you some perspective because I don't know where things cross the line in Pittsburgh as a sports town is. Uh, is showing signs of turning into another Philadelphia or Boston. And I'm going to push back hard against that about this sort of like, you know, borderline spoiled expectations about what has to happen and, and and what, what uh, what's anticipated from a team. I mean, you know, Tony Romo, it's hard to get to a Super Bowl. That's as he would tell you. And maybe that, you know, that suits his own purposes and the way you regard his own career. But you know, in a league that has included Tom Brady and those Patriots, it's hard to get over them. It's hard to get over that mountain. And the Steelers, for what it's worth, have never had a losing record with Ben Roethlisberger or Mike Tomlin. So, you know, I can I don't think it's crazy and overly optimistic to to sort of be glass half full about where they are in broad strokes. It's a massive disappointment given the quality of some of those teams that they that they stumbled as as uh, horribly as they did come January, so or didn't even get into the mix. Um, but that would also be my pushback for everybody who expects much more from this. I mean, you know, the only team that's not the only two teams right now that are not unhappy are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cleveland Browns, and the latter <laughs> is happy because they have low expectations. Is that what you want to be, Pittsburgh? I don't think they want a playoff game and they celebrated like, uh, you know, like a ticker take parade for the New York Yankees winning a World Series. That's not. And they couldn't even beat Kansas City, who was without their quarterback. Come on. (laughs) You had your chance right there. You had your chance to beat without Mahomes in the second half and you blew it. I think Brady ruined everything, bottom line, especially in the AFC. It's sort of like the Steelers and the Raiders in the 70s. Know how close the Raiders were to being the Steelers? I mean, you could say that about the Patriots to a lot of teams in the AFC. They ruined it for everyone. You know what? A Super Bowl in 05, 08, and 10, and even if it is 10 years later, is not bad. But it is bad when you look at Tom Brady and New England Patriots. It is. And that's and now see we're sliding into low expectations because the Steelers are the Steelers and you don't want to be the University of Texas booster who's like hey we're uh you know we're a uh, an upper crust program like nah you used to be you're not anymore um the standard is the standard and all that and they got to live up to to all that but setting aside loyalty and expectation the expectation that by letting Roethlisberger go, that it somehow sets the Steelers up for more success in 2021. I think collectively, even the people are saying, let Roethlisberger go. They want them to, the Steelers to have some uh, insane kind of like two and 14 season. That's not going to happen. But then people say, well, they'll go eight and eight anyway with Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph. I'm not sure what assets are retained 
otherwise, like I say, from Cam Sutton on up, Juju, Bud Dupree, all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure how rolling with Mason Rudolph gets you into a better spot to get somebody in 2022. They are in the same spot at where we are right now, 12 months from now. There is not Roethlisberger playing or not playing does not alter what they do at QB in 2022. And if you want to make a case, I didn't improve their draft stock. You don't know that exactly. You don't know who's going to be there and to waste an entire season, the seasons of, you know, borderline hall of fame guys like Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, um, high end defense and otherwise to burn that season to see if you get a higher draft pick and also to spend the season seeing if Mason Rudolph's the guy, like that's the season that, that, that you're going to go, you're going to wind up in the same spot anyway, looking at the same QBs in 2022. The answer is hopefully they can flip a, a third round pick for Sam Darnold. And now you have something in the pipeline that makes everybody feel a little bit better about it, who are down on Roethlisberger. And maybe at some point in 2020, that, that's the other question. One last question for you. <laughs> it, about football. And then I'll ask you about uh, Cobra Kai. One, one last thing. What happens if Roethlisberger is atrocious and like throws, let's say he throws 17 interceptions in the first eight quarters of the season. They couldn't, there were a lot of people saying in December, put in Mason Rudolph, let him play. Cause Roethlisberger looks terrible. As I said, then you do that. He can never take another snap. That's not, this is not some ham and agar that you can play that game with of benching him and all that kind of stuff. But in 2021, could they bench him if let's say they had Sam Darnold or let's say they wanted to see what Mason Rudolph has or hey, Dwayne Haskins is better than we expected or anybody or nobody signed Ryan Fitzpatrick and he's still out on the market and we could go sign him for the rest of the season. Is there a way that they could say, all right, you know what? We tried, Ben. You're really bad, though, and we can't have this anymore, and we're going to go with Mason Rudolph. Is that, how would that go down? Would that be a possibility? It would take a lot. It would take that a, a lot. They're going to have to just have a terrible start to the season. They're 0-8. What's the use of having him being the quarterback right now? I wouldn't be against you know throwing him in there or somebody like Mason Rudolph in there at that time. But if you're thinking a couple bad quarters, if you're thinking what happened over you know the last month, December into January as a option of yanking him. I don't think that happens at all. What I think this does now bringing him back, as you said, they're not going to be very different this now than they were 12 months ago, other than now they have a legitimate chance of winning the division, being an eight, nine, 10 win team. If they weren't without him, they didn't have that chance. There's no way. I believe Mason Rudolph, leads this team to anywhere close to the playoffs if he's there. At least they have this opportunity of right now over the past next six, seven, eight months of having the chance to be thrilled about this season and this season alone. And, and whatever you want to – whoever you wish was the quarterback, whether it's Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it doesn't change – unless they were somehow magically able to trade for Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, which I think we've established they they very reasonably could not make those sorts of deals right now. Um, that 
at this time, a year from now, they're going to be in the exact same spot looking for a QB. There is Mac Jones is not magically going to fall to the Steelers at 24. If he does, that's an interesting place that they find themselves. Do they make that? I wouldn't. Not this year. Here's the thing, too, Dave. They're likely going to get a handful of comp picks for all these free agents leaving, right? Yeah, also true. Here's the thing, though. This brings us back to the Sam Darnold thing is now they know they're going to have two, three third-round picks next year. Maybe that gives them an opportunity to call up Douglas and say, hey, buddy, you want to talk a little bit? We're in uh, late April right now, and you really want this guy on your roster? Come talk to me. I got some draft picks for you if you need it, knowing that they won't hurt them in the long run. There's options. I mean, even next year, now you wish there was a better quarterback class than what it seems to be. But if you're having three third-round picks, the first and the second, you can package it. It'd be a you know, pretty good package for a team to be able to move up more than 10 spots. Look what they had to do to move up just 10 spots to get Devin Bush, 20 to 10. They gave up a bunch. So, you know, it, they're going to need assets. And I think they'll have assets after come next year because of some of the people they may lose. So it might not be bad losing Villanueva. And to your point, it is people have not caught up. The league has not caught up that there are more viable options to play a QB than there are starting gigs. And when they do realize that, to your earlier point, there are plenty of guys that are middle class guys. The middle class is meaty in the NFL. The trick is to get a guy who can carry a team that is otherwise mediocre to heights that they otherwise wouldn't get to. Mac Jones is not likely that guy. If there's a QB at 24, Almost by definition, to your point, the guys that end up making it and doing that sort of thing. Yes, Mahomes went a little lower than expected, but where did he go in the draft? It wasn't at 24. Well, you know, they're oh, like, oh, so they had to give up a lot to go get him. Right. I mean, there's not many Dak Prescott's and Russell Wilson's out there. I mean, they're right. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott are exceptions that prove the rule. Tom Brady was a long time ago in a completely different era at this point, even though he's still in 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 this era and the best one at doing it. But Russell Wilson went low because he was short, and that was what impacted him. Dak Bush had a DUI and some stuff that made it like, eh, we don't know. I do know that the Steelers would love they, – they were going to take Dak Prescott, um, I think, either in that round or one round later. Uh, they liked him a lot. You know, I like that's the only thing that makes me think maybe Kevin Colbert when he was saying that. I think he there's maybe something to it that he meant that. Like, I don't know what we can do. And then he realized by the time Dallas tags Dak and then is willing to see if they're willing to move on from Dak and deal him. I don't know if we can manage all those things before uh, the new year starts and we owe Roethlisberger that uh, minimum dollar value. So I'm going to keep it loose until I'm forced to commit by someone. And I think Mark Caboli helped force that, whether you want to take it or not. That's not nice. Art, too, I'm sure doesn't like reading Caboli saying, hey, your Hall of Fame QB deserves You don't think he did? And let me tell you, I know this for a fact. He reads everything. (laughs) He gets packets of clips on his desk every morning, so I'm quite sure he read that. Hey, maybe I was the reason why the meeting. What do you think? Well, you know what? You, no, me, hey, and my friend. I agree. <laughs> I just gave you credit for that. I bet. You know what? <laughs> we didn't get our due, but uh, but you, me, and Maurice Jones-Drew know that uh, that we knew exactly what was going on you a couple take, years. You take that with Le'Veon because you know what? That could be the downfall of the Steelers' uh, greatness was – Linked to uh, Le'Veon Bell finding out that he could have uh, 
been out of here. So I blame you. It's your fault. <laughs> nah, I was I was merely a messenger in that uh, in that melodrama. All right. Speaking of melodrama, let's finish here. You've watched the last episode of Cobra Kai. Spoilers upcoming. Uh, I was watching. I was watching it last night again because I was bored. Again. Yeah, I'm just Boy, you really like it. it. You know, it, well, there's nothing on TV ever. So I, I look through Netflix. I'm like, this is stupid. I don't care about this murder mystery. Mm-hmm. I'm not investing time in this. If I like something, I'm, you know, I'll wear the same shirt 400 days in a row. If I watch a movie, I'm watching the same movie 50 times. I, I don't deviate. I'm sure the so, wife and kids love you uh, wearing the same shirt 400 days in a row. <laughs> Somebody else I know did that. But I digress. <laughs> well, I did way inside joke there, but uh, so if I know I like Cobra Kai, I'm going to watch it because I know I'm okay. disappointed in the end. Who did Crease call at the end of uh, in the last episode of See, season three? Three writers are so smart; they want you to believe that it's Terry Silver, and Lord knows I wanted to be Terry Silver because he's very well. He's the best. He's a, he's a, he's the greatest villain maybe in he's, movie history. I know he's retired; doesn't want to come back. That was his first ever movie, his first ever role. He was stunningly great. It was unbelievable. They want you to make you think that. But nah, that's too easy. It's going to be somebody else. Might be Mike Barnes, who apparently lived in Newcastle, PA for a while. Ooh. How about that? Or the guy who I love to see him come back is none other than Dutch. Dutch was a tight with crease. If you look throughout <laughs> that whole Karate Kid movie. He did. He, Everything the crease did, he basically went like this for. Yes. Could you imagine Dutch coming back? I would love to see Dutch, but I'm just don't think he, it's going to be Terry Silver. He was Sensei's pet. There's no question about that. <laughs> um, oh, I hope it's Barnes though. That would be great. That that's Chad, a good one. Chad McQueen, huh? Dutch is Chad McQueen, father or son of Steve McQueen. I mean, he's a what? Legend. I, I yeah. Um, who did I? Oh, I just found out. I was so happy to see Bill Nunn get the call. I didn't know that Radio Raheem was his son. I had no idea about that. See, all things lead back to Pittsburgh. The question is, have you been to golf and stuff recently? Encino is where I live. That's where the whole show is. That's a pretty far drive, right? It's not that, yeah, the golf and stuff is not as close as you would think. I looked it up on a map one day. I looked it up on a map and said, wow. Well, they were on the beach and Daniel got beat up. I said, that's a far ride from his house. How'd he get it home? It really is. It really is. Yeah, it's good for you. Yeah, that it, it, it's <laughs> un, yeah that they went all the way out there to for the beach. It's, uh, you know what? It's not a crazy drive. Um, golf and stuff, I'm sad to report, though. Um, the water slides are long gone. I was heartbroken when I found that out. I just decided, what, what's even the point? What's, why would I even go there um, it, without that? Um, you big Encino man guy. I also think it's weird that um, the uh, pe- people don't talk enough about that Daniel San's mom drops him and Allie off. Like, you got to be one. It's one thing to be a bully to your peers, but that they're mean to Daniel San's mom. That try- Do you know anybody? Do you, when you were in high school, you too, Eddie Spaghetti, were like kids such bullies that they were mean to your mom? That's really outrageous. They 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 shouted mean stuff to a grown woman. It's outrageous. It, it, it was tough. I grew up in a family household that had an old car, my dad's old car. And I'd go to the like junior high dances, I'd be like, drop me off back here. You know, 
one of those types of things. So I can, I, I can, I can relate to Daniel and the, the old and your dad was like, and your dad was like, no, uh, right up front. your dad was like, fine, get out of anything. You've worn that same shirt 400 days in a row. I'm desperate no, no, to get you out like, of this car. Right in front. So you can embarrass me. I could see me doing that when my kid. Gets <laughs> that, that's what my old man would do. And I'm a hundred percent. I love honking the horn. To make a big scene when I'm coming up, like over here, little girl. Oh, to, to my kids. Oh, I love. I, it's a great joy to embarrass them. Uh, another great joy is talking uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and otherwise with Mark Caboli. He is as plugged in and seems to understand it as much as anybody, even the murky math part of it. Uh, and that's before you even start talking about uh, rotations on uh, spiral spin and uh, who can do that best in 2021 and beyond. I appreciate all the time, uh, Caboli is always and uh, make sure you're checking out his great work there on the athletic you say goodbye no parting words oh i thought you, you said it all me. fine you've said it Are all you still rolling? I was just yeah, that's right. We're still rolling. Like see. all right no I, I don't care we're done we're done that's it i thought I mean, it was gonna be a nice done? quick emergency podcast we can do it again tomorrow you know how, if you, you want wait, wait, you, you know how the tv guys say when you say goodbye you don't say anything because you don't want to you know, you're tossing it to somebody. Why I see. Now? Yeah, right, right. Like, yeah, you tag it with like you're yeah. saying, you know, like, and then they have to stop, especially yeah. because there's a little pause now on Zoom and it gets doing. really awkward. Right. Thank goodness we didn't have to deal with any of that over the last 42 <laughs> seconds. It was nice and clean. Goodbye to you. So that's it. Hey, big news tomorrow. We're coming out with uh with the 2021. We're pairing up uh for the end of the week, minus threes going forward. I'm going to leave it a surprise for any longtime listener. Uh, you'll know this guy. Um, he's one of our uh, great pals out here in Los Angeles and has been for two decades. So we're looking forward to chopping up all things Northeast sports with this guy and Eddie Spaghetti. So we'll be the three of us will be back for you tomorrow. In the meantime, great stuff from Kaboli there. Spread the good word. Get rid of all the myths and the jive that you're hearing out there and steer them towards this podcast because I think uh, I, I think uh, the last half hour, or however long we just kibitzed here, um, erased some of those uh, those misconceptions out there. Uh, so, all right, back with more uh, hooey and applesauce for you tomorrow. Until then, for Mark Caboli and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>